You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. Welcome to another episode of MSP Zone, uh, where we tackle issues, news, interviews with uh, leading figures in the managed services cloud computing space, and we try to make uh, the complex easy to understand and certainly try to bring you informative information that will help you in your managed services practice uh, improve. Uh, but we also help to uh, maybe bridge the gap between service providers and the consumers of their services uh, wherever they may be around the world. Um, today we are going to be talking about a familiar topic, um, uh, work from home. And uh, we started talking about this uh, almost like everybody else on the planet uh, soon after the pandemic hit uh, in probably March of 2020. And so not quite a year yet, but we have learned a lot. We have experienced a lot. And we have a new year where we are planning, uh, trying to plan for what we believe will be a, a much better, much different uh, experience than we had in, in 2020. And uh, that's going to bring um, new challenges, new opportunities, but it's going to require um, a lot of the same ideas and concepts and uh, approaches to managing IT um, outsourcing um, that we discussed in 2020. And here to unpackage and make that uh, complex information uh, easier to understand, uh, I'm pleased to have on the program uh, Nick Emanuel from Webroot, an open text company. Um, Nick, welcome to MSP Zone. Thank you, Charles, and uh, thank you for the introduction and uh, hello to uh, all of your listeners. Yeah, so a, a little bit about a lot of our members are very familiar with Webroot, but uh, maybe just a, a little background on yourself and, and what uh, Webroot is up to these days. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I joined Webroot about six years ago, and uh, I'm now the Senior Director of Product uh, looking after our Webroot services, uh, so Endpoint DNS, uh, security awareness training, um, and then also a, a large element of our um, kind of go-to-market within the channel. Um, a number of your listeners will be aware that we got acquired uh, by a company called Carbonite, who are based out of Boston, uh, about two years ago. And then a year ago, OpenText uh, swooped in, uh, bought the, uh, the combined company, and uh, we've been operating um, very much as before, uh, but having the benefit of um, the kind of size and scale uh, that open text uh, brings to an organization like ours. Um, and they've kept us very uh, kind of locked down into a um, uh, SMB specific unit. Um, so really for uh, from a day-to-day -day perspective, we've just been able to carry on protecting, um, you know, managed service providers offering more products. Um, and, it, and it feels very, very similar. Well, that, that's excellent. I mean, I, you know, Carbonite and, and Webroot are very familiar to most of the MSP community. I, I, I take it you are, you're not from around these parts, as we would say here. So you're, you're from London, or you're not from London, but UK. Um, uh, yeah, Gloucester. absolutely. I'm, I'm very lucky to be uh, yeah, located out in the Shires. Uh, so it's a, a beautiful part of the country. Um, and interestingly, uh, we have our version of the NSA based out here. 
uh, called GCHQ. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, startup tech uh, and also um, sort of older technology firms that um, are really kind of pushing the boundaries of edge security. So uh, it's a great place for us uh, to, to be based here in the UK. It's a very uh, kind of small area, um, but it's just interesting this particular uh, kind of geography uh, does seem to attract uh, a number of uh, techs and uh, product managers in particular who are interested in kind of really uh, moving cybersecurity forward. So keeping aside the politics of should we or should we not be locked down, the inevitable uh, reality is that there are many companies, uh, and I'll, I'll just use tech as a great example, uh, but they're not the only one, where where we where work from home is a legitimate reality and may, and may be even call it a legitimate benefit to many of the workers. I'm I'm reminded of a uh, of an Uber ride in Atlanta where the Uber driver worked for I, I think it was Coca Cola, and the and and the commute across town was horrendous around you know an hour and a half something really bad, and the, the companies offered work from home. And uh, th that was pre-pandemic. And, and I, I can't help but think that the pandemic uh, propelled forward the work-from-home concept, albeit in a very um, unique way. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Charles, that um, there are a number of businesses that were uh, you know, really investigating the economics uh, of a larger portion of their workforce working from home. Uh, and what the pandemic has done is just accelerated that trend. Uh, and so, uh, you know, realistically, it was around March last year that most countries had uh, kind of enabled a, a, a pretty restrictive lockdown. And uh, in that time, obviously, uh, you know, amongst their own IT teams, uh, customers, but, but our community of MSPs had to react uh, incredibly quickly. Um, and I think it's one of the success areas kind of for our industry is, um, <clears throat> you know, how we were able to take a large group of people and get them to work from home to continue to be productive, uh, but do it in a secure manner. Um, and I think the challenge for us, uh, and I do see it as us, we're, you know, as part of that MSP community, whether you're a vendor, whether you're a managed service provider, whether you're part of the supply chain, it is a community that, that is helping, um, you know, whether it's America, Britain, Canada, anywhere in Europe, just, you know, get back on its feet, continue its business um, and make sure that, you know, this doesn't turn from, you know, a medical pandemic into, uh, you know, really a, a kind of economic disaster. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this will be one for the history books. And, and I think that... Um... I don't know how many people actually understand, and I will, I will, albeit, you know, I work for the MSP Alliance and, and I'm unbiased uh, very much towards uh, MSPs. The, the, the Herculean task that the MSPs chiefly, not, not solely, but most of it at the SMB and, and mid-market level, I think fell uh, directly or indirectly on the shoulders of MSPs globally, who accomplished that swift work from home um, feat? What was was something that was really remarkable to witness firsthand, and I'm sure you had a, a similarly uh, 
similar vantage point that I did uh, with, with your watching your partners uh, operate that way. Yeah, and and um, what what was interesting to me was how the uh, kind of cyber criminals reacted to that as well because um, they didn't put their feet up either, and so the the amazing efforts and, and you're absolutely right, they're phenomenal um, by the industry and by the MSPs in particular um, were in some cases matched, and and one of the kind of frightening statistics for me was that um, if we look at the very worst, you know, absolutely no doubt about it, pinpointed worst malicious domains. Um, we kind of went through March and we saw 18 and a half thousand domains, malicious domains, this is being created in March that had some connection uh, to pandemic in its terminology and its domain name, whether it was, uh, you know, free PPE or whether it was COVID passport or COVID-19. Um, and that was phenomenal. You know, it's a huge number to see. And, uh, you know, even now, so uh, at, at uh, kind of the midpoint of December, I think it's around December the 8th, uh, we saw the first uh, kind of volunteer take a Pfizer vaccine here in the UK. And um, from that date, if we track from the 8th of December to about the, uh, the 8th of January, we can see the cyber criminals at it again because we saw a 94% increase over the previous 30 days on malicious domains getting registered with uh, almost any terminology to do with vaccine. Um, and so again, that, that effort that these small business owners um, have put into place to, to enable their workforce, you know, often um, you know, not being able to charge for assessments or not being able to um, kind of grow their business, but just react are also having to fight against this overwhelming uh, kind of set of odds of um, you know, cyber criminals and bad guys who are just doing everything they can, trying to take every advantage uh, to make it you know, uh, that much harder for somebody who just wants to work from home, who wants to work safely uh, from being able to do so. If we take the position that work from home even in a completely healthy COVID-free world, uh, vaccines are plentiful, immunities are abounding, uh, whatever the reality is, but, but we're not in the same state that we have been in 2020. It, it seems like work from home is going to remain, at least to, to, to the extent, you know, like you can't have work from home restaurants uh, unless maybe someone brilliant comes up with a great idea. But, you know, there's going to be some industries that, that, persist you know, with traditional uh, you know, office models or, or retail models. What is your opinion on work from home security risks uh, influencing companies in terms of, you know, should we go to, should we continue with work from home? Should we, should we endeavor to go back to the old office? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of that will be driven by the employees themselves. And uh, at the start, um, there will have been some novelty, uh, you know, about working from home. In some ways, it may have been easier. Things like childcare, getting rid of the commute. Um, I think as you extend over time, people have seen both the benefits and the drawbacks of, of kind of working uh, from home or working from anywhere. You know, they're, they're having to use, uh, you know, maybe a reduced uh, shared office environment. Um, so I think there will be a movement back to the office, but it will be much, much smaller uh, uh, in terms of real estate, in terms of number of people um, gathering in an office um, than, than anything that we've seen before. 
And so the, you know, we always talked about, you know, the, the uh, network perimeter is vanishing, um, that we have to make sure that we can secure somebody wherever they want to work from in whatever application. Um, and I just think that gets magnified. Um, one of the concerns would be for me is that um, as we went through uh, kind of March, April and May, um, we may have been making compromises, uh, you know, within the MSP community because, the, you know, the, the job then was to enable. Um, and I think what this period of time really gives us the opportunity to do um, is now to go back and to do that auditing to really understand, uh, you know, to gather from industry experts, you know, where those risks are um, and start tightening up. But in my view, um, you can make a remote worker as secure as a worker in a, you know, an office or on a network um, because they're often using the same sort of devices connecting to the same cloud applications, but it does need some thought and it needs some uh, kind of careful planning and assessment. Uh, but the, I think that will drive us forward, and certainly um, it's probably not a great time to be a you know, real estate agent or realtor when it comes to uh, you know, kind of um, business square yardage or square meterage uh, or, or square footage, depending on uh, which part of the world that we're in, um, because I, th I think that paradigm has changed, and I think a larger uh, majority than ever before will remain at home and be productive um, and, and maybe will only visit an office for yeah, occasional celebrations or maybe quarterly meetings. Uh, and it will look and feel very different from, you know, how we've been used to in our working careers. Yeah, it's certainly the office landscape should change, you know, from, from the open cubicle, maybe to more uh, siloed work, work areas. So, so if we call what you just articulated, and, and maybe it's been done by others before, but a hybrid work from home office uh, environment, uh, that means that the user is going to be truly mobile. The user will not be in a fixed area, will be uh, free floating uh, in a office environment, in a home environment, and potentially in other environments. That, that has to be challenging. And, and I, I feel like we have the tools, I feel like we have the process, but it, it feels like the end user and maybe to a lesser extent, the MSPs who've never had to really deal with, the, with, with that type of complexity, that, that is a new challenge that we do have to face rather imminently. Is that true in your opinion? I uh, completely agree. And I think uh, to me, if we look at the differing stages of security, um, you know, and you, you had used in a secure network with a firewall and uh, have your servers in your own data center and, you know, not letting data out onto the cloud and, uh, you know, it was bring your own device, but have a, you know, mobile device management software over it. And the paradigms just kept on changing. Um, this to me, and, and we've always said it though, that, you know, the user is important, but I think here now is the time in which we enable uh, the user as a line of defense uh, for our business and for our organization. And that can be as simple as, um, you know, if they're connecting in via a home router, uh, simple things like are they using the default standard password that came with their router um, and we're in a you know in a great position to be able to help educate to help train that user to become part of that important defense to to make less risky choices uh, and um, now is the time to to set those in place 
Um, and certainly we're seeing um, you know, a big swing into, I mean, there's a number of uh, companies that do this. Uh, you know, they might call it cybersecurity training. They might call it security awareness training. Um, but really that to me is just helping adopt a security culture. And so it's not just a device. It's not the latest piece of you know, software or the uh, you know, biggest vendor in the industry making a noise. It's actually generating that culture so that um, the person who's going to ultimately, you know, take that risky click or, uh, you know, uh, potentially get fooled by uh, a piece of social engineering, just arming them up, you know, enabling them to be able to make uh, a better decision uh, will go a very long way to helping, uh, you know, the MSP as those users are. Uh, uh, you know, navigating their way around and whether it's connecting via a coffee shop or working from home or taking the laptop and going into, uh, you know, somebody else's home and connecting onto the routers there as well. There's a number of these steps that we can take to really help enable uh, the user as that line of defense um, and help ourselves ultimately. Uh, I, I'd like to, to hone in on some on some discussions and questions around the MSP. So, so your your partners uh, as direct evidence uh, for, for your experience. But my personal experience is that the MSPs are not um, wholly uneducated when it comes to security. Uh, that is to say, MSPs have had many decades. Uh, even the ones who are self described general practitioners have a good amount of baseline security privacy, understanding, and technical capacity. But I, I feel like the process has changed significantly starting with March 2020 when the pandemic uh, hit, that there still may be some adoption uh, in, in traditional practices that the MSPs have not fully um, brought into their into their normal operational lifestyle does that question does that make sense to you and, and and maybe in your experience have you have you seen something different or what are your thoughts no, it, it makes um yeah it makes really good sense because i think what we've asked before and and you know maybe it's the customer base has has you know almost demanded that our msps are the security expert and they're almost um you know, passing responsibility in a way back to the MSP, MSP and saying, you know, I'm paying you, you own the security issue, uh, you should know X, Y, and Z about, you know, the latest viruses or the latest attacks, but just protect me and my organization. Uh, and I think, you know, that that's understandable, right? That's a, a typical, uh, you know, customer business transaction. But it has shifted and changed, and I think the the difference is because um, we see a range of, of good practice. It's very hard for an MSP to actually share that knowledge in a meaningful way with an organisation if they're doing it on their own. Um, you know, they may have access to the business owner, to you know somebody who feels um, you know reasonably competent with tech, and, and they may be able to have those conversations. Um, but ultimately, they have to shift it again to that perception of. Um, you know, cybersecurity, cyber resilience. And one of the startling things that we saw um, looking back over last year was that customers uh, and partners that had deployed security awareness training um, and our endpoint service were seeing 90% fewer attacks versus those customers that just had the endpoint service. 
Uh, and that really got us kind of just, you know, a, a fired up, but also wanting to dive down deeper into, you know, what is this change? What is happening? Um, and why are those customers and MSPs being so much more successful? Uh, and it really comes down to, uh, you know, for us, we, we focus on um, small knowledge bites, not the old style compliance training where, you know, you'll get a tip box and a, uh, a sheet at the end of it that congratulates you, but really focusing on here's something we know, this is something that you should know and providing it in a kind of five, 10 minutes transaction. Um, and that's not to say we're the best at doing that, but it is to say that um, that type of approach of turning it from uh, a test, from compliance into security um, can make a real difference. And I think that's the journey um, that MSPs can take. It's great for business. Um, you know, these services will deliver additional revenue. They're extremely important to the end users. Um, and what we can see from reporting from all sorts of, um, of those type of products is it is something that you can take. It's tangible. You can go back into your customer with and say, this is the difference that we're making. You know, we've trained X number of users. We're seeing X number of fewer attacks. Um, and those users themselves feel empowered because they know what to look for in the next time that, you know, maybe they get a, you know, a phishing email that contains, uh, you know, COVID details. If they uh, get involved in a, you know, a business email continuity scam where the whole aim is to try and extract either information or money out of their business, if they're armed with that information, they'll feel much more empowered. Uh, and that will make across the board our lives easier because you've got fewer attacks going on, if you're uh, falling for less of the more obvious attacks, it gives us as providers the ability to focus on those, uh, you know, more difficult uh, uh, you know, attack threats and there's a, a more difficult vectors. It, it gives time to breathe uh, and to, you know, secure other areas, shall we say. Yeah, I, I'm unaware of any other prior history, certainly in my 20 years, uh, but in, in, even, you know, during the early 90s when the first MSPs began to uh, emerge, we've never had a period of, of time where the, the MSPs acting as educators was so critical. Uh, and you laid out a very good example, which is the, 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 the MSPs can no longer do their work in a silo and be unengaged with their customers who are on the front lines of, uh, of the cyber battle that is taking place, they, they, they have to have a well-informed, engaged uh, customer base in order for them to do their jobs. And, and I, I, I suspect that, that your statement there is, is uh, um, highly important and highly uh, underappreciated by the, the rest of the community. Yeah, one thing that we see as well, and it was uh, interesting talking about, uh, you know, kind of being from the UK and, and uh, from the US as well, is when we look, because this is one of the advantages of WebRoot, it is a global organization. Um, and so when we looked uh, across the data uh, from Europe, uh, from the US and Canada and uh, Australasia, um, it was interesting for us that clearly the attacks uh, are more focused in the US. And so we saw three in 10 workers worldwide are saying, you know, 100%, we are certain uh, that we've clicked a phishing link in the past year. Um, and then when we look at that data in the US, it goes down to one in three. And I think the, 
um, concern for us is clearly there, the worker is interpreting, hey, after the fact, I think I did something wrong. Um, the good news to that is that, you know, they have some awareness, it's just that we have to tune it. You know, we have to um, provide, you know, um, relevant examples, um, you know, for, for customers, I you know very rec you know recommend uh, running phishing simulation, and uh, you know almost sort of testing the organisation so you can see it in real life, you can understand what a threat looks like, um, and that will better arm say those users moving forwards. Um, the only thing I would add to that is um, it's really important if you do go and educate uh, users, if you provide that knowledge to them. Um, is make sure you give them an outlet to tell you or somebody responsible when they see what they think is a malicious email or when they see a scam taking place. Um, because going back two or three years ago, we often saw these type of training products uh, going into market, but they didn't have an alert me function. They didn't have a way for that staff member to say, oh, well, can you just double check this? I think this may be one of those, you know, scams that I've been hearing about. So um, that's definitely uh, one of my kind of hot tips is make sure if you go through that training process um, that you give them the ability to say, hey, I think this is, uh, you know, not, not right. Um, and then just engender in that organization that ability for people to share information. Because again, shared information will keep everybody on their toes you know, if they're seeing other people in their, you know, business units or stores uh, that are commenting, it'll just help keep it top of mind. But I mean, I'm super, super passionate that um, if we can enable that workforce, it will make our jobs that much easier. And, and, and you hit the nail uh, completely on the head earlier around saying that, you know, we've not asked our MSPs to do this in the past to anything like this scale. Um, and so certainly as a vendor, I feel it's very important for us to make sure that we can provide product services and more importantly information you can always go onto webroot.com there's lots of free to air information around um, what we're seeing uh, whether it's uh, you know kind of blog information whether it's infographics um, and just have at it grab that data um, because it's there it's it's what we've seen um, what we've learned and we want that to be shared so that as many people as possible can be secured I mean, Nick, I, I can't think of anything more relevant to the, uh, the the age old managed services mantra of they are the trusted advisor. I, I can't think of something that makes them truly a trusted advisor uh, to their customers than what you've just outlined, which is a comprehensive um, communication and inf informing educational relationship with with all of their managed customers which embeds them to them in in a way that is far more significant than any technical service that they could ever provide uh, that that's just my sense of just listening to you in those last few moments because that that really is uh is is where i think the msps could make a huge difference in 2021 completely and i think that um, the msp is so positively place to be able to drive sustained behavior change um and again that it that'll be important for their business it will allow them to grow it will allow them to continue to be seen as that trusted advisor and um for their customers 
it will help them see that this isn't just a transactional relationship on a given product or a given service that uh, it means more. It, it's around securing them as they go through this difficult time as well. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, from a business survival perspective, um, the smaller you are as a business, the much, you know, the, the scale of difficulty to recover uh, from an incident, you know, that has led to a breach, um, it, it's very, very difficult for these small businesses to recover. And, um, you know, we unfortunately are seeing you know, more and more stories where, um, you know, if a business is taken out for three, four, five days, if it takes them that long to recover, that can be enough of a difference in the current economy uh, to unfortunately lead to, you know, um, some pretty unpleasant results and, and ultimately that business failing. Um, so yeah, the, the MSP has that ability to keep that business secure, to help them win. And that's a brilliant win-win situation all around. Well, I, I can't think of a better way to start 2021 with, with uh, in my opinion, such an optimistic outlook for the role of the managed service provider globally, uh, because this this could be done anywhere. I don't care where you are in the world practicing managed services. What what Nick just outlined is something that you can put into place right now, regardless of what you offer as a managed services offering, education, information. And feedback and, and communication with your customers is going to be very critical to your ongoing success as well as theirs. Um, Nick, I think that, that that's been incredibly insightful. And um, I think most of the MSPs ought to be very uh, uplifted by that, by, by hearing that and, and planning a course of action for, for the upcoming year. Oh, it's fantastic. I think it's a real opportunity. And I think now um, we always talk about New Year resolutions uh, and I know we're a little bit into January, but, um, you know, you can get this advice anywhere, but the, the sort of four areas for me that I would be looking at having gone through um, this year is conduct a privilege audit of permissions. Um, so checking existing accounts, processes and programs um, and ensure that the individuals themselves, do they have the right permissions to do the job and the only permissions to do the job as well. Um, Clearly, with the number of new stories uh, over the last few months, lockdown RA, uh, RDP, uh, it's a very useful tool, um, but obviously encrypt the data, use multi-factor auth uh, to increase security if you're having to remote into other machines. We've seen a rise, a huge rise really in RDP uh, since March. Um, obviously reinforce a strong password policy, um, and really uh, now is a good time to shake out and test backup plans. Um, one uh, trend that we saw is that uh, kind of backup and disaster recovery plans were being left behind a little bit with this change to the workforce. Clearly, if you've got a bigger percentage uh, of those end users uh, working from home, you just need to make sure that their data is still being backed up and more importantly, that it can be recovered. Because again, should an incident occur, um, that time to react is incredibly important, but clearly as an MSP, Nobody wants to be hounded during that process around, hey, is my business getting back up? How quickly, you know, come on, come on, come on. So um, yeah, conduct a privilege audit of those permissions, lock your RDP down, reinforce strong password policy and enforce uh, MFA where possible uh, and shake out those uh, backup plans and make sure they're actually operational. And I think that will give you a, a really good head start into 2021. 
Great advice. I know you you talked about it before, but just one last time before uh, we wrap up. Uh, if MSP is interested in learning more about WebRoot, um, where should they go? Uh, if they go to webroot.com uh, or reach out to any of the WebRoot team, um, we're always available, always happy to talk to uh, partners. Even if you don't use the WebRoot service, we've got a huge uh, volume of data uh, going back for the last two to three years um, that you can gain access to free from our website. Um, but if we can help in any way, please let us know. Well, for those MSPs not currently offering educational or, or specifically cybersecurity training awareness uh, to your customers, I think you, you have it straight from, from Nick. Um, you've got your marching orders. Get started today. Uh, this is going to be very critical uh, in your ongoing um, relationship with your customers. Uh, Nick, thank you very much uh, for coming on the MSP Zone and sharing your uh, experience and your wisdom. Great, great insights. Thank you, Charles. Appreciate it. And uh, happy new year to all our listeners. Absolutely. This is Charles Weaver with MSP Zone signing off. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.